Hello and welcome back to another episode. Today's topic is what do I need to maintain my corporate entity? And for this topic, we have brought on attorney Andrew Ayers. And for those of you that have been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll you'll recognize that name. We've talked about him in our starting a business series. He came on for our mini series on estate planning. So if you haven't checked out any of those, be sure to check those out now. I'll have links to those in the show notes and where you can check out previous episodes we did on that. But today's a completely new topic. We're talking about what do I need to maintain my corporate entity. And I think that this is so important because so many people start a business entity and then they stop. Then they have this LLC that they may be created. They have this corporation that they may be created, but they're not doing anything continuously to help maintain that, uh, maintain that company at the state level and, and things like that. So Andrew, welcome to the show. All right, thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Excellent. So, you know, kind of explain to us, let's start the process of we set up a company, an entity, whatever that might be. What do we need to be doing to make sure that we're protecting ourselves? We're keeping that corporate entity uh, alive and, and, and well when it comes to uh, being able to protect ourselves with it. Sure. And, you know, I'm glad uh, you're out there listening to this podcast, especially if you start a business. Um, you know, it's very important that you make sure you're keeping these little things taken care of because they can make a big difference, um, as we're going to talk about today. Because a lot of times what will happen is you set your business up online. Um, you've done your filings with the state. Um, you, you know, back in the old days, we used to have to take hard copies to the secretary of state and file them. But these days, almost everything can be done online with electronic signatures. But I think a lot of business owners just seem to stop there. They figure they filed their documents and they're good to go and you can operate a business, but you need to have a system. Um, you know, for my clients and for any business owner, I think the most important thing to remember is you need to have a system to maintain your company and its documents because at some point, chances are you're going to need them. So for me, you know, years ago, I don't know where it came from, but I've always had a fondness for three ring binders. Um, so if we were on a video podcast right now, you could see behind me that I have bookshelves full of binders for different things. I have books. I have a binder for my corporate law practice that I need. I have newsletters and other materials that I want to read. Um, if you're involved in the litigation, if you're a small business owner who's sued or you're suing somebody, you get a binder. Um, and it was funny because years ago I learned this, that I would show up in court and I've got my binder and it's got all my tabs and you're in front of the judge and they would look at you and say, man, that, that attorney's got their stuff organized because they would look for this. And you flip the pages over to that order and say, oh, judge, I've got it right here and I've got it right there. And I use an iPad and I try to be technology forward when I can. And I've been in court with adversaries who try to do everything on their computer. But inevitably, the judge looks over at me because I've got the paper and I can just show him the piece of paper real quick, even if it was an e-filing. And it, you know, the binder just to me feels a little more organized. I mean, I even use them at home, keep my kids' activities straight, keep their schedule straight. And so I encourage all of my clients to use them as well. So if you incorporate online, a lot of the websites will just give you electronic filings back. You've got these papers as PDFs and there's no follow-up from there. There's no system after that. So today, you know, I'm here to encourage you to have some kind of a system and you can do whatever system works for you. you if you prefer electronically, then use a client portal. Um, one of the features my clients like of working with me is our client portal. It gives you PDF access to all of your documents. We organize it for you. You can upload documents to me at the end of the year. Um, it, you can send secure messages to me if you don't want somebody to be able to see your email. So if you've got an assistant who reads your email and you've got something private about the company, you're thinking of selling it, um, you had an offer or something like that, you can send a secure message in the portal. Um, so hopefully the attorney you're working with 
which is why to use an attorney and not a service, has some kind of a portal. And I'll bet you if I ask Mike right now, he's going to tell me his clients have a portal to work with as well. Absolutely. Yeah. It, and it's and not only that, it also makes everything so easily accessible and, and, and easy to find for you. Yeah. So if you've got your, whether you're doing a portal or doing a hard copy or doing both, as many of my clients do, um, they often ask me kind of what documents are you going to need to keep organized? Um, the first one is going to be your articles incorporation. So these are the first things you filed with the state when you started your business. You probably don't need them much after you filed it, but you want to keep a record of them. If you have a professional license, you want to make sure you've got your licensing documents handy. Um, for me, I've got to recertify with uh, different states all the time. So whether it's New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Minnesota, I try to keep those documents handy because every now and then someone will say, are you licensed in that state or what's your what's your number? What's your attorney ID number? And it's nice to have them handy. Um, when you've filed your business, you probably created bylaws, which are like the rules and guidelines for your business. You want to keep an updated copy of those with your documents. Whenever you have corporate meetings, somebody should be keeping minutes of them. Um, now, this is one of those things that sounds really formal. People go, oh, do I have to hire somebody? Do I have to hire um, a court reporter to sit there and type down every word that was said? You can do that if you'd like, but you don't. Uh, you don't always have to. You just need somebody there. You should call the secretary, um, not in a condescending way, just that's their title for that meeting. And they take notes about what happened. And after it's done, they type up the notes and then they send it around and everybody signs off on it. It's just a memorialization of what happened at your meeting. Most states you're operating in are going to require you to have what's called an annual meeting, which is just once a year that the owners of the business met. That's all it has to say. And you can just say, we opened the floor for business, no business being transacted. We closed the annual meeting for another year. Are you going to get sued because you didn't have an annual meeting? No, but your state might require you to just have those minutes and you want to keep them in your corporate binder so that you have everything handy in case it comes up at some reason. One of the more common corporate documents that I need you to make sure you pay attention to are your corporate resolutions. So these are probably the most commonly used document when you're looking at your corporate maintenance. So when you first start out, you're going to approve officers and board members. That's going to be a resolution. If you're going to set up a bank account, if you've ever talked to a bank after you set up a company, they often say, well, where's the corporate resolution? And that is a simple document signed by the owner saying, we hereby authorize Citibank to be the bank for our company. If you don't have one prepared, the bank often has a basic form that they will use. And they'll just have you sign it on the spot. But it looks a lot more professional if you've already got that document prepared. And what you can do is work with an attorney and ask them for a template for your corporate resolutions. Because really, there's some magic language at the beginning and at the end where you sign. But the stuff in the middle, you can fill in as needed. So it doesn't have to be a complex document. If you're buying or selling real estate, you may need a resolution for that. When you're approving your initial documents, you probably need a resolution for the bylaws. Now, as we get a little bit down the road, if you're going to merge with another business, or you're going to enter in a joint venture, they're probably going to want to see a corporate resolution saying that everybody agrees to it. Because if you've got 10 owners and they've only been talking to one person, how do they know the other nine people actually agree to whatever this merger is going to be? If you're going to take out a loan or any kind of financing, usually the bank or the lender is going to want to see a corporate resolution that the company's agreed to engage in this. Once again, they don't want one person binding the company to all these debts and liabilities to only find out the other nine never would have do, done it. And now who's going to end up on the hook and who's going to pay for this? 
And if you're going to relocate your business, you probably need a resolution for that as well. So corporate resolutions, and if you go to my website, I've you've seen some blogs on it and we've shot videos on it before, that these resolutions are a pretty basic document, but an important one to have at your fingertips because they always seem to pop up at the last minute you'd expect. Uh, Mike, I don't know, how often do you have to work with resolutions for your businesses? Yeah, I mean, not not as often as as... As, as you would think, but I think it's just important to have them available and, and, and on file. And, and, and I think that's the biggest thing. We went through some, some changes in our entity. Uh, you know, at one point I had a partner, then I was by myself, then I had a partner and you have all these different changes. And whenever you go into maybe a, a major change, uh, a lot of this stuff is going to have to be asked for. And so I think that it's just important to, people think that, you know, the, you never need this type. Just a lawyer is going to tell you that you have to do all these different little things, uh, but you don't actually need to do that. And, and I think it's, you know, you get to a situation where all of a sudden you, you need it and, and you're like, dang, I should have took that a little bit more seriously. And, and it doesn't take a lot of time. As you kind of mentioned, a lot of this stuff is, is, is fairly basic documents. It doesn't take a lot of time and effort to get these on file, but, but still can make such an impact and also make so much, so many things easier when it comes time to the need to present them or, or, or use them in some sort of way. And we also, on our tax minimization program, we kind of have a simple uh, standard sample annual corporate minutes of meetings uh, document that can be used. But I think a lot of these two, it's, my, my theory always is I want to align myself with an attorney that's going to be able to help get these set up. We can download all these sorts of things from the online and, and have all these different templates that we have. But the important thing is also making sure that we're not we're not filling them out in, you know, incorrectly and making sure that we're doing, having the right documents on file. So it's, it's, it's a key for me that when we talk about these documents that you need on the corporate side, it's working with attorneys just to make sure that you have the right ones, you're documenting the right way and just keep them on file that way. Yeah. And if you've never done them before, don't freak out. You can do them retroactively. You can do them now. If you say, Oh, I, I've just listened to this podcast and I realize I've never done corporate uh, resolutions in the 10 years I've been in business. You can go back and create them now. And, you know, they're not, they don't have to be complicated. They're not intimidating, but you, you, you want to make sure that you've got them. You, you want them in that uh, corporate binder in your system. Um, you want to have your corporate agreements in there. You know, if you have an operating or a shareholder agreement, um, you want to make sure you have it because if you end up taking on an investor or you want a new partner, they're going to want to see what the agreement is. What does the uh, document say? Um, and some agreements are long. Um, years ago, I represented companies out uh, east who ran vineyards, and you know their operating agreements were 150, 160 pages. They filled up an entire binder just for that, and other people's agreements are six, seven pages long. But you know, you want to make sure that you have access to those agreements, and then also if you have state filings, you may want to keep handy. Um, the one I get the question about the most, and Mike can speak to, is you get that EN, EIN confirmation from the IRS, and what what do you do with that? Well, most people, a lot of people throw it away and then we're asking them, hey, we need to file your return or we need to file an S corporation and uh, you need that to open up a bank account. And, and there's just so many different areas where you need that uh, EIN confirmation. It's good to have on file to uh, so that when you, you can easily access it when you, when you need to present that information. Yeah, and, that, and that's where a client portal works great for you too because it's not like you need an original copy of that letter. It's just nice to have it available as a PDF and you can show it to the people who need it. And then if your company issues shares, you want to make sure that you have copies of your share certificates because they demonstrate who owns the business and when they bought it and what the price was. Um, again, if you're going to take on partners or investors, they want to know who they're getting into business with. You know, if they, if it's speaking to Mike the whole time and then they find out there's three other people, 
you know, they might like Mike, but they might not like his three partners and say, wait a second, do we really want to be in this business? Um, yeah. So, so, you know, some of the main documents that we want to keep organized, you talked about the articles of incorporation, any kind of licensing information if you're in that type of profession, uh, your bylaws, your corporate minutes of meetings, corporate resolutions, we talked about the various different types of those, your corporate agreements, any kind of state filings that you have, including your EIN confirmation number, and then obviously if your corporation, any kind of shares of certificate and transfer ledger. And now, I guess the big question is, is, why do we even need to keep all these items? What What is the purpose behind having these on file, filling them out and, and things like that? Well, why you have to keep it, that's a question for your local government. So, you know, depending what state you're in, they may or may not require you to keep these documents. Um, but one of the main times it comes up is if your company ends up in a lawsuit. Um, if you're the plaintiff, meaning you're the company suing somebody, you usually have to be in good standing in the state to be able to file a lawsuit. So let's say your company files a lawsuit against another company. The first thing their lawyers are going to do is going to go to your local secretary of state website, look up your company, and make sure you're in good standing. Because if you haven't paid your fees or you're suspended or there's any other problem with your corporate filings, that's going to be the first defense to the lawsuit is this company is not in good standing, so they don't have a right to come to this courthouse and file this lawsuit against us. That is a big problem from the lawyer standpoint, but it's fixable. You can then go to your court or go to your uh, state secretary of state, file your documents, pay your fees, get in good standing, and usually the judge will let the lawsuit continue, or they'll dismiss the lawsuit and say, you can come back when you've done all of your filings. But it's one of the first defenses that anybody will use in a lawsuit when sued by a company is check to make sure that that company is in good standing. Now, let's say you're in good standing, but the Secretary of State website just hasn't been updated. Well, then you can easily bring in your corporate binder and you can show the court, look, here's all my documents, here's the filings, everything's here. And what that does is it shows the judge, wait a second, this is a legitimate company, they've done their work, everything's in good standing. It gives you credibility with the court. So you never want to be that company that has that defense brought up against you, that they're not actually in good standing, because it's such a small pebble to trip over when you're in the mountain of a litigation. The other place you're going to need it is if you're going to apply for financing, these banks, these lenders are going to want to see that your corporate documents are put together. They don't want you to walk in with some legal Zoom documents that haven't been signed and drop just a sheaf of paper held together by a rubber band on their uh, desk and say, here we go, give me some money. They might give you some money, but they're going to give you a lot less than if you walk in with your nice corporate binder, nice tabs, everything put together. It looks like you're a business and you know what you're doing. And it's funny, this morning I was at a networking group and the last situation came up is if you go to sell the company, nobody wants to buy a disorganized company. So I'm sitting at a table with a bunch of other people in the group. A lot of them fund companies. They go into joint ventures. And this is one of their pet peeves is you've got an emerging company, they've just started, maybe their growth is through the roof, and then they say, all right, let's see the corporate books, and then uh, we'll get them to you. And by the time they get them to them, it's just a wreck. There's not the right documents. Maybe in this case, the, um, the documents were never actually signed. And they say, all right, we'll buy the company, but we're going to buy it at a significant discount, because clearly these people don't know what they're doing. Whereas mm -hmm. if you're working with a buyer who says, all right, let me, can I swing by and see the documents? Sure, they swing by. There's a beautiful binder. They can look at the operating agreement, shareholder agreement, see who owns it. Everything looks put together. They say, okay, this is a company I would want to invest in. And a lot of people don't think they should worry about these things, but this is exactly why you have these, this system. 
The other reason is, frankly, you're supposed to keep them. So let's say you own a business with four other people. Each of you has the right to inspect the company records and books at any time. That's a legal right that any shareholder or owner of a company has. And let's say you have a fight with one of your co-owners and they want to see the records and you say, well, they're all a mess. I don't have them. They're going to run to that courthouse and they're going to file what's called a dissolution action, which asks to dissolve the company or to throw you out as a member because you're not keeping the corporate books correctly. Now, usually the court will say, all right, everyone calm down. We don't need to throw out the company. It's an operating company. You know, things are going well. We, we want to make sure everyone's get just update the corporate books so we can all see them. That's all we're really looking for. But you don't want to subject yourself to a silly lawsuit like that when all you had to do was have a system to keep your corporate books together. Yeah. And I think that that's just so important to, um, as you kind of talked about, why, why, why do we need to do these types of things? It's, it's, it's very clear. Now, as we start to gather all these documents, you know, where do we, do we need to file these documents with the state? What do we do with these documents? Do we just keep them on file in case they're ever needed. What do I need to file versus not file? Sure. So you, what you always have to file is your initial filings. So the company set up the articles of organization or incorporation, depending on the type of company you've set up, that's filed with the state. If you have licensing documents, you know, you're like me, you're an attorney, you're a doctor, those things have to be filed with the state as well. You want to keep copies for your records. Tax documents, obviously, Mike knows you have to file your taxes with the state, you file your taxes with the federal government. Things like corporate agreements, however, corporate minutes, corporate resolutions, those don't normally have to be filed with the state. When you think of companies like LLCs, which we set up for the whole point of limiting your liability and disguising the ownership of who owns it, you don't want to be personally liable. You want the ownership to be insulated from lawsuits. That's why we don't file those kind of corporate agreements with states, because that would show anybody who looked up the company who the owners are and who they should be suing. So your corporate agreements normally don't have to be filed with the state. It's really just your initial filings, licensing, and tax type of documents. Excellent. And and so hopefully that gives you some light as saying if, if you're a business owner, you have this entity, maybe you haven't done anything for it besides maybe renew it with the state every year. Um, this might be a time, just take a little bit of time, sit, you know, fill out these documents. Those of you who have not even opened up an entity yet, this might be a good time to also connect with an attorney and say, hey, maybe I do need to put an entity together. Um, and, and I think Andrew would agree with me. The, the purpose of this episode is not to scare people and say, oh, there's so much work that you need to do to be a, a, an LLC or a corporation. It's just more so protecting those people that do have them to say, just a few lectures, a little steps, Take, take maybe an hour out of your year to make sure you have everything tidied up and, and, and organized to make sure your company is protected and you're protected, uh, which is oftentimes the purpose of starting that in the first place. So, Andrew, uh, if people want to reach out to you, if people want to learn more about you know, some of the company maintenance that they may need to do or maybe catch up on or maybe start an entity you know, from, from scratch, I'll start a brand new entity. What's the best way for people to reach you? Sure. And you can go to my website at andrewamazonmotherairs.com, or you can find me on social media at Airslaw, A-Y-E-R-S-L-A-W. And on my website, we have a simple form for you to fill out if you're starting a business. And you know, kind of like Mike was saying, I don't want you to think this is intimidating. And what I found is actually the business owners who get the system in place as they're starting the business, they just get used to doing it every year. They just have a notation on their calendar, maybe around the holidays, just spend an hour to clean up the books. That system is what makes it so easy. It doesn't have to be intimidating, but when you need it, 
it's so nice to have it because you're not that person behind the eight ball trying to find the document as you're running to court for a hearing on whether or not they're going to dismiss your lawsuit. So if you start it up when you start the business and that system's in place, it makes it so easy and so seamless. Yeah. And, and one thing that I want to put on that is, is we've done episodes before on the board of directors or board of advisors. And, it, and this can actually become part of a, a tax planning play as well. So many people think it's a solo business. It's very simple. I don't need any of this corporate garbage. I don't need to have a meetings because I, it's just me. Uh, I would say, let's dig a little bit deeper. This presents an opportunity. If we have to have an annual meeting, who's on your board? Who's a board of advisor, a board of directors? Who are some of the people that you're you're working with, you're talking with about your business? Whether how simple or complex your business is, can we maybe take some family members out to dinner and talk about your business? Can we maybe, if your board of advisors or directors, friends, how can we potentially get a business deduction for some of these items and the annual recurring meetings that you might have related to your business? So just think a little bit deeper when we talk about this types of things. We did an episode on that, so I'll leave a note to that in the show notes as well. But Andrew, I just want to thank you again for taking the time. You've been very generous uh, coming to the podcast, talking about all sorts of different topics. And again, this is just another one of those important things that uh, uh, an attorney, having an attorney in your back pocket is just part of your your toolkit when you're talking about being a business owner. Yeah. And, you know, Mike, hopefully everyone can see this is not overly complicated. I mean, you listen to this podcast with Mike, you understand the importance of professionals. So in my community, we talk about having a team, trusted experts, authorities, and, mem- and mentors. So you should have an accountant, a financial advisor, and an attorney. So you've got Mike's podcast. So you've already got a great accountant to connect with. And so listen to his past uh, podcast. Check out his online community, which is really engaging and has lots of resources. And I think he even has an upcoming event you can maybe come to. So if you need a connection to a financial advisor to help your business, you know, shoot me a note. I can get you some names. I'm sure Mike also has names for you guys. And of course, if you need an attorney, I'm happy to talk to you. You've got my website. You've got my social. We can hop on a complimentary legal strategy session. I love talking with new business owners. Um, it's great talking about where they want to go and what their growth plans are. And it's more important that you get the right professionals around you um, than being scared of some generic website form that you're not even sure what to do. Um, frankly, I just spend far too much time helping my clients clean up those documents that you shouldn't have downloaded in the first place. So call Mike, call me, call your financial advisor, but work with the professionals and you know make this year, make that business you're starting the best one. Awesome. Well, thank you, Andrew. We will have uh, links in the show notes to to contact Andrew as well as a blog post that goes along with every episode of ours. So feel free to check that out. And I just want to say thanks again for listening to another episode. I will see you guys next week.